Hey everyone, welcome back to all my listeners. This is episode number 13 of season eight. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. My name is Sonal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, I hope you guys are doing all right. I just wanted to let my audience know, if you didn't know already, that Anchor is now Spotify for podcasters. So there's been lots of new branding on social media and some new features and analytics that they've rolled out. It's super cool. But most important to me, I would love your continued support of my content-rich value-add podcast on Spotify. So what that means is I've provided a link in my show notes right up at the top for you to continue showing your loyal support for my Paint the Medical Picture podcast now on Spotify. Spotify for podcasters. Now, it's super easy to follow this podcast on Spotify since almost 70% of my listeners are on iPhones. So just go ahead and make sure that you download that Spotify app and find my podcast on Spotify and follow it. Love it. And not only is it easy to download onto your iPhones, but on your computers, your desktops, your iPads, everything. It's super easy to just go ahead and download that Spotify app on any of your devices. So you know what? I was looking at my new analytics on the Spotify platform. So you know what? I'm still in shock that this is my 135th episode in two years today. So that's just a lot of episodes week after week that I've been providing. So I, I'm just in, in complete shock. And I know I love knowing that this podcast makes the top charts worldwide again and again, not just here in the U.S., where I reside, but also right now it's currently in the top charts in Canada, in India, in the Philippines, in Ireland, as well as the Dominican Republic. So, oh my goodness, to me, this is just shocking information and I love seeing it when I do get to go ahead and peek into my data analytics from time to time on my podcast. And currently this podcast is being heard worldwide in more than 60 countries. So that number I know has been slowly climbing in these two years as well. So I'm just grateful and truly humbled to all of you that tune in from week to week. I love it. Thank you. So why don't we get into today's episode? Now, this is the last Wednesday of the month that the episode is dropping. And you know, it's my newsworthy fraud, waste and abuse highlights that I touch on for the month of March. And of course, I'm going to be spotlighting some of those from the month's criminal and civil enforcement cases that I find particularly newsworthy. And then, of course, in my compliance tips and recommendations, I wanted to dive deep into the latest, the third CBR for the month on urinalysis tests. And of course, I go ahead and round out today's episode with the remarkable quote on creativity by Pablo Picasso. If you guys have checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and our valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. 
I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help all of your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and kindly drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And please start following this podcast on Spotify. I really love your support on Spotify as well. And as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I'm bringing you the news, current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips, and my compliance recommendations based on my over 12 years of experience in front office, in back end, in coding, and in billing for multi-specialty physicians, in compliance, and in auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. Today's episode is sponsored by Advanced Coding Services, a leading medical billing and medical coding school in the United States. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned professional, our training equips you with the tools and support you need to advance your career. Our medical billing and coding school meets your needs worldwide online or in person with one-on-one support throughout your training. We are committed to helping our alumni and credentialed medical community in keeping up their certifications by offering various avenues for acquiring your continuing education units. In addition to our Mastering the Business of Medicine retreats offered several times throughout the year in different parts of the country, we now offer memberships. You can conveniently earn your CEUs by attending our exclusive members-only webinars. Since our aim is to nurture and grow the careers of individuals who work in the business of medicine, we call our member area the Apple Orchard. Advanced Coding Services. Educate. Nurture. Inspire. Reaching back with a hand up. So let's get into Newsworthy, the month's fraud, waste, and abuse cases. The month of March saw a whopping 46 cases as of the recording of this episode. Early March saw a psychiatrist settling claims for unnecessary brain stimulation treatments. Here, a doctor and companies he owned and operated have agreed to pay the United States $3 million to resolve claims they improperly billed Medicare. These allegations include that they knowingly and willfully submitted or caused the submission of false claims to Medicare. The allegations also included intentionally pressuring patients to accept unnecessary medical treatments and billing for those treatments, falsifying treatment records, and billing Medicare for worthless services and services they did not provide. Whistleblowers allegedly witnessed patients being pressured to accept unnecessary medical treatments as well as the falsification of treatment records and billing Medicare for worthless services or services the clinic did not provide. The psychiatrist and his clinics had allegedly submitted claims for payment to Medicare for transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, procedures that were not performed, or routinely administered TMS treatments unnecessarily and absent of valid medical purpose, and improperly billed Medicare for reimbursement of those treatments. They allegedly also billed Medicare for physician assessments when the physician did not see the patient nor supervise the TMS session. The complaint complaint indicated the fraudulent conduct continued until the business was sold in April 2022. 
Early March also saw a hospice to pay over $1 million to settle false claims liability. Here, the hospice is alleged to have provided non-covered hospice care services. It's alleged that the hospice knowingly submitted false claims for payment to Medicare and Medicaid between October 1 of 2018 and September 7 of 2021 in the violation of the False Claims Act. The United States alleged that during this time period, the hospice was billing for services that were not medically necessary because the patient's records lacked documentation of a terminal illness to qualify for services. The hospice denies these allegations. Hospice care is special, end-of-life care intended to comfort terminally ill patients. To be eligible for the Medicare-paid hospice benefit, patients must be terminally ill, meaning that the patients have a medical prognosis that their life expectancy is six months or less if the illness runs its normal course. The claims resolved by this settlement are allegations only, and there has been no determination of liability. Early March also saw a physician convicted of $5 million health care fraud schemes. Here, the physician owned and operated a now-closed physiatry and pain management practice. Between 2015 and 2018, he fraudulently billed Medicare more than $5 million for injections he did not perform or did not provide as billed, including complicated spinal injections for which he did not own the necessary equipment. He was convicted of 11 counts of health care fraud. He is scheduled to be sentenced and faces a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison on each count. Mid-March saw a surgeon to pay $42,000 for defrauding Medicare. Here, to resolve allegations that he caused a foot orthotics company to submit false claims for payment to Medicare, the surgeon has pled guilty to state health care fraud charges and is scheduled for sentencing. In early 2000, a state board of professional medical conduct revoked the surgeon's medical license based on findings that he had committed conduct demonstrating moral unfitness and gross incompetence. Later that year, the Office of Inspector General for the United States, Department of Health and Human Services, the HHSOIG, excluded the surgeon from participating in all federal health care programs, including Medicare. The effect of an exclusion is that no federal health care program may make payment for items or services furnished by an excluded person or at the medical direction or on the prescription of an excluded person. The surgeon subsequently opened a medical supply company and applied to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, for the medical supply company to participate in Medicare. That enrollment application falsely represented both that the surgeon had never had a revocation or suspension of a license to provide health care, and that he never faced suspension or exclusion from federal health care programs. CMS denied the application, explaining that the surgeon was excluded from the Medicare program and therefore the medical supply company cannot receive Medicare payment. The surgeon later transferred his ownership interest in the medical supply company to a third party, and that new owner reapplied for and obtained authorization to participate in Medicare. The surgeon continued to work for the medical supply company and rendered orthotic and prosthetic care to patients. The United States alleged that from December of 2016 through February of 2018, 
the surgeon caused the medical supply company to present false claims for payment to Medicare for services that he furnished to and ordered for Medicare beneficiaries. The United States further alleged that to conceal his involvement in the treatment of Medicare patients and to circumvent the effect of his exclusion, the surgeon caused the medical supply company to bill services that he furnished to and items that he ordered for Medicare patients in the name of another orthotist. Late March also saw an acute care hospital and radiology imaging practice to pay more than $2 million to resolve a False Claims Act case regarding the billing of services to Medicare and Medicaid. According to the settlement agreement, the pair entered into a long-standing arrangement whereby the imaging practice billed Medicare and Medicaid under its assigned number for both the professional services provided by it and for the technical services rendered by the acute care hospital. The imaging practice then paid the acute care hospital a portion of the Medicare or, or Medicaid reimbursed global fee for the technical services it provided. The acute care hospital was not enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid during the time, so it did not have a billing number and was not eligible for reimbursement from those programs. The contract between the acute care hospital and imaging practice specified that tests performed at the acute care hospital would be billed on a global fee basis under their provider number, with the imaging practice being paid a percentage of the Medicare or Medicaid reimbursed global fee for performing the professional component or the interpreting of those tests. A global fee reflects payment for both the technical and professional components of a medical service billed together as a single unit. However, the acute care hospital did not obtain its own number under which it could bill Medicare and Medicaid for the services provided to patients insured by those programs. Between March of 2010 and October of 2020, by agreement made between the acute care hospital and the imaging practice, the imaging practice submitted claims to Medicare and Medicaid using its supplier number to bill those programs for both the professional and technical components of the services rendered in the acute care hospital, even though the hospital performed the technical component only of those services. Both the acute care hospital and imaging practice allegedly knew that the acute care hospital did not have a billing number as required by Medicare and Medicaid to be eligible for reimbursement for rendered medical services. The claims resolved by this settlement are allegations only. The settlement is not an admission of liability. Of course, there were also many, many of the other usual suspects like even more opioids pills galore, kickbacks, bribery schemes, COVID-19 testing fraud, and money laundering. But I wanted to pay particular attention to two cases involving urinalysis testing. First, the case from late March saw a $5 million civil settlement being reached with a doctor and his pain management practice. Part of this civil, part of this civil settlement includes the practice manager. Now, defendants agreed here to pay $5 million to the United States to resolve allegations that they violated the False Claims Act by submitting bills to the Medicare program for urine drug tests that were not performed urine drug tests that were not medically necessary, and for diagnostic tests that were not medically necessary for the treatment of its pain patients. 
The United States alleged that the doctor, the practice, and the practice manager billed Medicare for individual and expensive quantitative urine drug tests that did not actually conduct and, in fact, could not have conducted on its immunoassay analyzer. Additionally, they allegedly billed Medicare for the same urine drug tests and diagnostic tests on its patients without regard to the patient's individual signs, symptoms, and medical needs, and simply with a desire to increase the practice's revenue. The claims resolved by this settlement are allegations only, and there has been no determination or admission of liability. Now, the second case I want to spotlight is also from late March and also saw two doctors convicted for an unnecessary urinalysis testing scheme. A federal jury convicted these men, one was a chiropractor, the other was a pain management doctor, for a scheme to bill Medicaid for millions of dollars in medically unnecessary urinalysis testing for their patients, which included urinalysis testing purportedly conducted on faulty machinery. They are both scheduled to be sentenced and face a maximum penalty of 10 years each in prison for counts of healthcare fraud and, and healthcare conspiracy. Now, remember, I do my very best each and every month trying to highlight those cases I find most interesting. So I hope you find some of these cases useful to your practices. And of course, my spotlight items on your analysis are going to flow into very nicely my second feature on this podcast, which is my trusty tips, of course, on the CBR, that comparative billing report that's just been issued on urinalysis testing. So I thought today's podcast episode would spotlight all about what can go wrong on urinalysis tests. So I always believe that these types of fraud, waste, and abuse cases are most helpful so please take a deeper look into these reports and see how they may affect you, your provider, your facility. Start self-auditing your service claims and coordinating documentation to ensure you are meeting compliance. And now it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. So in today's compliance tip, let's get into focusing on the latest comparative billing report or CBR that's been issued on laboratory testing, urinalysis. This is CBR number 202303. That's right, it is the third CBR for the year for 2023. So right now, during the end of March, as I'm recording this episode, CMS will be issuing a comparative billing report on rendering providers that submitted Medicare Part B claims for laboratory testing urinalysis that they provided. Now, this CBR number 202303 focuses on the current procedural terminology codes. Those are our CPT codes, 81000, 81001, for our internal medicine docs, as well as specialty number 50 for our nurse practitioners. And finally, for specialty number 97 for our physician assistants that submitted claims for laboratory testing urinalysis. 
Now, this particular CBR analysis was based on claims extracted from the integrated data repository using the latest versions of claims available on February 13, 2023. Now, the analysis includes paid claims with dates of service from November 1, 2021 through October 31st of 2022. Now, the 2022 Medicare fee-for-service supplemental improper payment data report reflects an improper payment rate of 10.8% for lab tests urinalysis, which represents over $3 million in improper payments. Now, after they reviewed and researched this improper payment rate, this particular CBR was created to analyze the possible threat to the Medicare trust fund associated with laboratory testing urinalysis. Now, the expectation is that providers will maintain proper documentation and coding procedures for laboratory testing urinalysis. The criteria for receiving this CBR is that the provider is significantly higher compared to either their peer group or the national percentages in any of the three metric calculations, which means they have to be greater than or equal to the 90th percentile. Now, these providers also must have had at least 70 total patients with claims submitted for laboratory testing urinalysis. And finally, Third, if that provider has had at least $300 in total allowed charges for laboratory testing urinalysis. Now let's dive into the specifics of why the CBR is issued here. So let's go over some of these CPT code definitions. Now, again, our codes that are being used in this CBR are CPT code 81000. And that's defined as urinalysis by dipstick or tablet reagent for bilirubin, glucose, hemoglobin, ketones, leukocytes, nitrite, pH, protein, specific gravity, urobilinogen, any number of these constituents non-automated with microscopy. Now, the next CPT code in this particular CBR is CPT code 81001, which is defined as urinalysis by dipstick or tablet reagent for bilirubin, glucose, hemoglobin, ketones, leukocytes, nitrite, pH, protein, specific gravity, urobilinogen, any number of these constituents automated with microscopy. Now the next CPT code in this CBR is CPT code 81002, which is defined as urinalysis by dipstick or tablet reagent for bilirubin, glucose, hemoglobin, ketones, leukocytes, nitrite, pH, protein, specific gravity, urobilinogen, any number of these constituents, non-automated without microscopy. And the, th and the next CPT code, finally, on this particular CBR is 81003, which is defined as urinalysis by dipstick or tablet reagent for bilirubin, glucose, hemoglobin, ketones, leukocytes, nitrite, pH, protein, specific gravity, urobilinogen, any number of these constituents automated without microscopy. So the main differences you can find in these listing of CPT codes are going to be 
after the word constituents, right? So we have to pay particular attention to the fact that microscopy was used or was not used, right? If it was automated or if it was non-automated. So we have to be very careful when we're choosing our CPT codes based on the definition and, of course, based on the technique that is being utilized for the analysis of the patient's urine. Now, let's move on to the metrics. So the metrics identified in this particular CBR are that the report is going to be analyzing these particular metrics. So number one, the percentage of all Part B claims that include services submitted for laboratory testing urinalysis. And number two, the second metric is going to be the average number of laboratory testing urinalysis claims per patient. So this particular CBR, let's remember, is going to be focusing only on those rendering providers. Again, only in these specialties. The specialty number eight for family practice, the specialty number 11 for internal medicine, the specialty number 50 for nurse practitioners, the specialty number 97 for our physician assistants that submitted claims for laboratory testing your analysis. And then of course, those stats were calculated for each provider all providers in the state, and all providers in the nation. So this CBR number 202303 summarizes this, the stats for services with dates of service from November 1, 2021 through October 31st of 2022. And let's be mindful, there are 161,043 rendering providers, to be exact, nationwide, that have submitted claims for laboratory testing your analysis. The total allowed charges for these claims were over $14 million during the analysis timeframe. Again, from November, from November 1, 2021 through October 31st of 2022. And remember the laboratory testing your analysis vulnerability, right? That according to that 2022 Medicare fee-for-service supplemental improper payment data report, an improper payment rate of 10.8% for lab tests, your analysis was found, right? And that represents over $3 million in improper payments. So let's be mindful that the desired behavior for laboratory testing your analysis is, of course, that it includes protecting the Medicare trust fund. We also want to be mindful and increase our providers' awareness about improper payments for laboratory testing your analysis. We also want to support our providers' internal compliance processes, and we want to be able to provide coding guidelines and requirements as well as part of our desired behavior. So it's critical to understand that a CBR does not indicate that you're going to get an official audit. Although, like I've said before on numerous podcast episodes about CBRs in the past, this phrase is directly coming from the MACs that issue the CBRs. So please take that with plenty and plenty of grains of salt. More directly, I do believe that this is your notice. It is your warning that you definitely are being looked at closely. So the value of the CBR to providers is that it definitely most certainly serves as a tool to look at your billing patterns as compared to your peers in your state, as well as across the country. The value also includes the facts that specific coding guidelines and billing information will be detailed.
and the CBR informs providers whose billing patterns differ from those of their peers. And it's your job in your analysis of your own data to figure out why. Why do you defer from your peers? Now, my best practice recommendations always include that reviewing the CPT codes to ensure correct code assignment is a must, right? So start performing those regular internal reviews of documentation and your code selection to ensure accuracy and ensure compliance. Because I do believe that these two steps alone can help reduce the possibility of improper payments, right? Let's go back to that newsworthy fraud, waste, and abuse, those two cases that I put the spotlight on, right? And they happen to be on your analysis. So this particular CBR, however, does not provide a breakdown of insufficient documentation and or medical necessity errors like previous CBRs in the past have done. So I thought that to be very interesting, but obviously, those are critical pieces of information that must be found in the medical records, right? We must have sufficient documentation and the medical necessity for performing the urinalysis tests are definitely imperative. They must be there. So this particular CBR should have all of us providing laboratory testing, urinalysis, really buckle down and self-audit whether you received this particular CBR in the mail or not because it's a great time to dive deeper into your own data, help yourself and help the Medicare trust fund at the same time. You should be paying attention to what you are sending out the door. Is it really in compliance? So stay ahead of the curve and avoid receiving post-payment audits from the payers down the road, because it is fundamental if you have Medicare as a payer to keep your eye on correct and compliant coding and billing practices and make sure that you are adhering to all of them. A better, smarter approach is one that's proactive and starts by painting a clear, rich, and vibrant medical picture the first time so your certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, I focus season eight spark on creativity. I want this eighth season spark to be filled with our world's thought leaders, writers, artists, philosophers, everyone who inspires the need for creativity in all we strive to do. So in this week's inspiring quote in spark is from the legendary cubist artist, Pablo Picasso. Art is the elimination of the unnecessary. That's huge and absolutely true, right? I think this is an amazing quote that reminds us that creativity is often abundant. When we feel those creative surges take hold, they are often chaotic and disjointed. I think this quote reminds us that true creativity and innovation requires elimination. It requires thoughtful attention and detail to the overflow of ideas. I think this quote inspires us to go ahead and regroup those ideas or simply save them for another time. It is with this type of creativity that leads to our most innovative endeavors. This is the legacy of impact we can leave behind. I am happy Pablo Picasso's spark burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. And as always, I appreciate you all diving into today with me. If you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. 
I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Now, all right, you guys, in my final note today, I hope you're all still staying motivated and positive for your personal and professional lives. We're heading into the second quarter of the year. Taxes are almost due. All of that progressive stress can lead to so many mental health and physical health issues for so many, like those inflammatory diseases that can flare up due to stress, right? Like MS is a great example. I put the spotlight on MS awareness just a few weeks ago because the month of March is dedicated to multiple sclerosis awareness. Now, remember, in 2023, we've got to take better care of our mental health, right? Every single day has ample time to carve out a little piece just for you. Hopefully, we won't be making the headlines this year with so many suffering from mental health crises of burnout and stress. We've seen too many headlines during this COVID pandemic, right? Hopefully, we are making a shift a step in the right positive direction and can be better prepared and equipped to handle our stress. Now, I wish you all an amazing, amazing and very happy week ahead. Thank you guys so much for listening in on today's episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.